Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the Athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. Once again, joined by Holly Percival. We cannot get Greg Evans on this podcast to save our lives, Holly. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Dan. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. We actually met in person on Monday for the first time ever. How was it for you, Holly? Oh, it's a pleasure meeting one of my heroes. What can I say? Just highlight my week. Well, that's a complete lie because I know for fact it was not the highlight of your week because you've been doing some football manager streaming and you actually won the streaming tournament that you entered, didn't you? Yeah. So for those who don't know, I stream in my spare time, play football manager and there's like the biggest tournament in the community was on the weekend and it was my first time playing in it, first female as well. And I just beat everyone. Unbelievable. I smashed everyone out of the park and won the whole thing. So it was a it was a very fun evening. I, I made sure I had a Villa player in my team as well in my draft. Had Esri Conza in, so he featured a couple of times. Great man. Great on Football Manager. Am I going to lose you from this podcast as well as you get too big time because you're now the number one Football Manager streamer in the country? Not the number one Football Manager streamer in the country. I mean, I'm the number one streamer, but you're, the, you're, no, but you're the best Football Manager player. Surely? Yeah, I guess so. You must be. That's how it works. Yeah, I'll let you know how much I start charging you for this podcast. Yeah, it's been a pretty good international break for, for all things Villa. I mean, I've achieved absolutely nothing <laughs> during the international break, but you've obviously had a great time and the Villa players have, have dominated it as well, Holla. Yeah, uh, mental, especially last night specifically. Yeah. Mings, Watkins, McGinn all getting on the score sheet for, for their countries. And I mean, the goals were pretty good as well. I, I Watkins obviously was very clinical with his following the ball all the way across the box, but McGinn's goal, I don't know if you've seen his, his is a, a proper little smash into the top corner as well. So great, great international break for Villa. It'd be nice if they saved some of these goals for Saturday against Wolves, wouldn't it? Yeah, I was thinking that. Um, I think I said it on the previous podcast as the players had headed out on international duty that I hope that a lot of them come back, you know, revitalise and, and more confident. And that definitely seems like that will be the case. And hopefully they'll kind of have that form continue into the weekend because the Wolves game is, is a must win because we're training them by 10 points and have a game in hand. So to beat them is, is quite important if Villa want to try and get up a place or two before the end of the season. So yeah, it'd be nice to see some of them goals in front of the whole end. Because yeah, it was quite a flat end before we went into that international break. So you'll kind of hope that the players will come back to body more heat and be a bit galvanised and there'll be a, a big bubbly atmosphere as the, as the players return because most of them have done very well, Holla. Yeah, definitely. You, uh, it'll be interesting to see how kind of the two sides reintegrate now because obviously half of the, the players who didn't go on the international break were allowed to go away and were given their own little um, performance programs to, to do and then you've got obviously the other players who have gone out on international duty and will have been doing high intensity training um, and recovery and then obviously playing in, in matches as well so it'll be interesting to see how the two merge but you know if I'm if I'm Mings, Watkins, McGinn, Ramsey I, I'd be coming back to this, to this Villa team absolutely ecstatic and, and ready to win games in the Premier League because They've all probably exceeded expectations slightly on a personal level for how they've done during this international break. 
Again, not scored for ages. Villa, I don't think he scored since November. So hopefully he'll carry on that goal-scoring form into Saturday. And he did score against Wolves earlier on in the season. So some good omens there. Let's start with Tyrone Mings then, Holly. You've got a statistic up in front of you. It's more than one statistic, actually. Incredible record for England, Tyrone Mings, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you'll probably have those critics saying, well, he's probably not playing against the most elite international teams in those games. But he's he's played 18 matches uh, for England, 14 clean sheets and only four goals conceded, which... I think that doesn't matter who you're playing against. That's on the international stage and that's an unbelievable statistic for someone who's, you know, only been in and around the England team for what, maybe approaching two years now. So, I mean, it's a massive, massive achievement for him to to have such a great record and hopefully he comes back to Villa ready to have similar statistics for under Steven Gerrard. He also made football cliches chewing gum. 11, which I'm sure he's delighted with. Like I said, the, the accolades keep flying by <laughs> in, the, in this international break, but... I always feel quite proud of Tyrone Mings when he's playing for England because if you think about when he came into, into Villa, you know, his career was kind of at a bit of a dead end at Bournemouth, sort of back up, kind of left back at the time. You know, he's come to come to Villa and you look at where Villa are two, three years on from, from when he joined and you and you look at where he where he is personally for Villa and England, you know. Few footballers have, have had such a, an uprising journey than Tyrone Mings in the last few years. Yeah, definitely. I think people can be quite critical who are out, like, obviously not Villa fans. They're, they're a bit confused as to why Tyron Mings makes the England squad um, so regularly. And, you know, a lot of people say that that's probably just because he's a left-footed centre-back, which is probably, you know, a great little added bonus for Gareth Southgate when he makes his squad selection. But the stats that suggest otherwise. Mings has, has, has dominated defensively against uh, next to whoever he's been partnered against. And, and that's been, you know, the likes of Harry Maguire, John Stones, and to to be able to have that adaptability to be paired with so many people in, in such a defensive line that changes so frequently. Obviously, Ben White playing fullback, which we haven't seen really in an England shirt before. So I think it just shows how calm and composed and how much experience Tyron Mings brings to the England squad because to have that adaptability and to be able to play with so many different people shows how good of a player he is. So um, you can see kind of that captaincy role that he has at Villa kind of transfer through to England but obviously you've got so many people that are, are kind of captainy based players so that I think it just he just adds to that role of of added support and added um trying to think what the word I'm looking for just uh, just kind of leadership composure yeah, yeah. Com- and composure on that back line because ultimately that's what England need they need to build up um success and kind of confidence because obviously the World Cup is later this year and they'll want to have as much confidence and, and kind of backing and support from as many England fans as possible. Yeah, he's barking out the orders as well. He's not one of the most established players in that squad, but you know, he's playing next to Harry Maguire, who you would say is more established, but Mings is the one barking the orders. I mean, Harry, I don't want to get on his back because obviously he had a horrible night last night, but he, you know, he's Manchester United captain. You've got the Aston Villa captain next to him who, who looks like the more senior man, but barking the orders. But you talk about his presence in the dressing room and his, and his leadership, and from the outside looking in, people, like you say, probably don't probably think there's more players that could be picked ahead of him to, to get in the England squad. But Toro Mings will 100% if he's fit go to the World Cup. Same with Conor Coda, because they're back up essentially, but they'll just be so good round round the dressing room. And Southgate puts a, puts a lot of emphasis on that. So Toro Mings will be going to the World Cup, won't he, Holla? Yeah, I genuinely think so. Unless unless someone comes in at the end of this season, start next season, and completely blows Southgate's socks off, I, I really don't see why. Tyro Mings, for, for definite, is not on that World Cup squad. Um, like you mentioned, Connor Cody also plays a huge part in the dressing room and Gareth Southgate spoke about that at the at the Euros 
because obviously Connor Cody didn't get that much game time during that tournament. Didn't any? Did he? Yeah, I don't. I think second. he was one of two. Yeah, I think maybe one of two that didn't play any game uh, any minutes during that competition. But I think that's what's been so key for England in their success is that they actually look at who brings a positive environment to the dressing room and I think that's genuinely part of the reason why England was so successful during the Euros so I really don't see why Tyrone Mings would not be there if he is fit in kind of November time yeah the other thing that you said you know I'm not digging at you personally I know it's not your opinion but you said people might scoff at those stats a little bit you know Harry Kane's probably going to break the record for England goal scorer you know he's got goal goals against some pretty mediocre opposition as well and no one's going to take that away from him you know so you can only beat what's what's out in front of you and England have had some bad days in, in the past and you know Tyrone Mings deserves immense credit for those statistics yeah he definitely does and I think it's weird now because I think we are in an era where the expectation for England is to win games consistently and easily and I, I feel like even around kind of the last World Cup that might not have really been the case. And I think that World Cup was actually kind of the turning point where people started to think, well, England should be winning games more consistently. And, and the likes of Tyron Mings and, and other players that have come in over time have helped with that massively. So it's, it, it's exciting as a Villa fan to see more Villa players be involved in that kind of setup and involved in that kind of success. So I, all I can say is a ma- massive congratulations to Tyron Mings because he, in my mind, thoroughly does deserve it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And Ollie Watkins had a good night as well. Scored the first goal, involved in the second, led the line quite well against against Ivory Coast. I thought last night and showed some nice touches. Probably the kind of thing I wanted to see from him against Arsenal. To be honest, going into that international break, but seeing the Villa player wearing wearing the number nine shirt for, for England doesn't happen too often. And again, just huge progress from Ollie Watkins in his career from from where he was a few years ago. And nice to see him involved in both those goals. Definitely. I mean, the progress for him is is unbelievable when you think about where he was before Villa and then obviously in his first season, got into double digits for Villa in the Premier League, scoring goals and to continue that progress now on the international stage is huge for him. Um, I think the thing that was maybe lacking in the Arsenal game was that I felt like he was very isolated up top and it was only him really doing that work. Yeah. Whereas having Raheem Sterling absolutely run his socks off for the whole game again for England was like that like that little thing that Ollie Watkins needed because, you know, for the first goal, Raheem Sterling was winning the ball hot back up high on the pitch and, and England were able to capitalise and convert. So hopefully when Watkins comes back into Villa, he's going to have that same kind of pressure being added from from potentially Coutinho or Buendia or, or Danny Ings and, and that's probably kind of what what was missing in that Arsenal game for me so uh, definitely the boosted confidence that kind of Ollie Watkins needed because he was starting to go through a bit of a, a phase I feel like where it, the inconsistency was starting to show so I'm excited to see how he plays against Wolves. He said himself his form has been patchy perhaps you know a little bit fortunate to be in the squad but he definitely made made the most of the, of the opportunity and another thing that me and my dad were talking about watching the game last night is that Jack Grealish was on the pitch so Ollie Watkins' best football for Villa has come with Jack Grealish on, on the pitch and Jack Grealish is on the pitch again for England last night and, and Ollie Watkins has, has, has a really good game. Yeah, it's a bit freaky, isn't it? And it was kind of almost like a bit of reminiscing for Villa fans getting to watch Grealish and Watkins play together last night. Um... 
I thought both played really well. I thought Sterling played really well. Kind of, again, like that front three just all working in unison. And, and that's something that Villa haven't been able to get consistent um, in the last few games. So I think, again, if there's just a little bit of added pressure up top to what Watkins is already providing, I think Watkins thrives and Watkins succeeds. So, like I said before, if, if he can go back to Villa and that kind of same level is matched by whoever is whoever else is playing with him in that front three... I think Watkins can succeed and Villa can succeed. So, um, yeah, it was it was nice seeing Jack Grealish play, though. I, I can't lie. I don't have any kind of bitter ends towards him when he left no. Villa. So it was nice to see him play and, and enjoy it as well. And, you know, uh, Jude Bellingham as well, I have to say. Oh, what a player. Grealish was was obviously speaking so highly of him after the game as well. I mean, the, the man just knows what he's doing, doesn't he, in every area of the pitch. And uh, you'd love to see him at Villa, wouldn't you, really? But ultimately, yeah. that's just not going to happen. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm freelance, so I can do I can do transfer speculation. Jude Bellingham to Liverpool in the summer. <laughs> keep, keep your eye, keep your eye on that holler. I reckon that's something that's that's going to happen from, from what I hear. Now, Ali Watkins, if the squad was not going to be named in the summer, he'd probably stand a, a decent chance of, of getting in at the moment. But obviously, it's December, so it's it's far away, and there's time for players like Calvert Lewin to come back into form and stake a claim to be Harry Kane's backup. If it's a 23-man squad, I think Southgate will probably only take the two strikers. So that's Harry Kane and one other. So it is going to be difficult for Ollie Watkins to, to get in because I think at the moment Tammy Abraham's probably got that gig after the season he's had for Roma. It's really tricky because you want to see Watkins in and you want to see Watkins succeed. But I think for me, the two picks are Harry Kane and Tammy Abraham. Like you said, I think Tammy Abraham has been unreal for Roma and... I just don't think you can deny Tammy Abraham that opportunity to perform on the international stage. I think, you know, Southgate has fortunately still got a bit of time to see who gels better with the England team. You know, Tammy Abraham might come in and it should not kind of work as well as, as Ollie Watkins. There's just no way of knowing until you, you give them that time um, in the England camp. So it'd be interesting to see. But I also think Southgate might want to go for a slightly different option if he doesn't go for Abraham. You know, D- Dominic Calvert-Lewin adds that such an aerial presence, which might be something that, that Gareth Southgate will look to add to his team and will look to utilise in the World Cup. So he's got a long list of strikers that offer a very different style of gameplay within each of them. And like you mentioned, there's still such a long way to go. Patrick Bamford could be back fully fit and also be another option. So Gareth Southgate's got a difficult task ahead of him as to as to who he picks. But right now, it, it kind of feels like it would be Tammy Abraham. But in terms of last night, you know, he wasn't even in the original squad, was he? So Watkins came in as a, a light replacement for Tommy Abraham. But he really couldn't have done any more last night. So as you know, as, as games go for someone who wasn't even in the squad, he's done all he could, which he can go back and be proud of. A hundred percent. You know, if I'm Ollie Watkins, I'm thinking I've I've proven why I should be here and and con- should continue to be here, and that's in, that's kind of probably what his mindset was last night I have to show why I should be continued continuously picked for England and and challenging the likes of Tammy Abraham or Dominic Calvert-Lewin or Patrick Bamford or any of the strikers that Gareth Southgate has on his list at the moment so I'd, if I was him I'd be walking away from that game more than happy I'd be thrilled with my performance and I'd be thinking Gareth Southgate has got a, a difficult task on his hands now to figure out who he picks so I don't envy Gareth Southgate because obviously Ultimately, people are always looking at the strikers and always looking at who's scoring the goals and it definitely puts them up on a pedestal and on a big spotlight. So hopefully Ollie Watkins can can succeed. Good problems to have, Holly. Nice problems to have for sure. Now, someone who is very much Villa's present but could be England's future is Jacob Ramsey. He scored for the England under-21s last week. Halligan's lurking and so it skips wide and Rodriguez somehow denies him. 
there was no stopping that. A lovely, lovely strike from outside the box from him. He was then rested for the second under-21s game. Again, he's for the under-21s, he's not been around that long, but he's had man of the match a couple of times now. He was man of the match last week. You know, He's doing all he can as well, but it's going to be very difficult for him to break into that England squad because there's just so much talent in that central midfield area. I'm not even sure he'd make it into the to the England squad for the next Euros. Obviously, it is still a few years away, but I think you've got still quite a few players. I mean, you've got Calvin Phillips, Bellingham already taken up. Obviously, they play slightly different roles to what Jacob Ramsey offers, but nice. they're both still very young and definitely still on the radar for, for the next Euros. So I think Jacob Ramsey will have to be playing like he is now continuously for the next two, three years to, to show Gareth Southgate or whoever is in charge why he deserves to make it into the senior squad. But I mean, the progression he has had from the start of this season to now is like mind-blowing. For, for Villa at club level, for England on the international stage, for the under-21s, it is, it's unbelievable. And I, I genuinely don't know how he can continue to get better, if that makes sense. Like, I just don't know what that end point is for him because he's just so continuously good for Villa and, and is proving now to be continuously good for the under-21s that... I mean, the world is his oyster, which is super cliche, but it genuinely is because he's just such a great player. Again, though, he's put himself on the radar. Gareth Southgate's name-checked him a, a few times. So, again, from this time last year, Jacob Ramsey's streets ahead of, of where he was. So, just the, we're talking here through all these players and really, you know, good progress from a lot of people. Massively, and obviously, you know, Matty Cash is another example since he's yep. been called up to Poland. Lovely he's segue, lovely to... segue into, into what you. we were going to talk about next, Holly. Very professional. I'm trying, I'm trying. Um, yeah, like I, I just think so many players at Villa have, have kind of earned that international call up, whether that's a, an under twenty one level or a senior level, and the progression has just continued to to go upwards catastrophically. Um, so it's it's great to see, and I think Jacob Ramsey, you know, the, his goal for the under twenty one is very similar to how he scored a couple of goals for Villa already this season, which is kind of getting onto that loose ball or that that assisted ball into the middle of the box while he's driving in, and he just his positioning and his awareness of the game at such a young age is is phenomenal, um, and I think that that can only improve with more international experience as well. Yeah, Matty Cash. Then, actually, if he hadn't declared for Poland because there were so many injuries at right back. He may have got in this England squad. Kyle Walker-Peters was the man who, who got the call-up. Matty Cash maybe would, would have got in, but he's obviously going to be very pleased with his choice. He's, he qualifies for Poland under, under, his, under his mother. And also, they've qualified for the World Cup as well. So Matty Cash is going to the World Cup. And great, great to see him having a beer with Lewandowski last night in, in all the photos. But I will say, you've got a game Saturday, Matty Cash, so let's not have too many beers. <laughs> yeah, let's behave yourself, please, because we definitely need the win. Yeah, Matty Cash for Poland has been great. And I, I think you're right, potentially he could have had a look in if he was still declaring himself for England. But I think in the long term, that that's yeah, almost decision. irrelevant. Yeah, because I think that once all those players are back fully fit, Matty Cash drops way further back down the line because we have so much talent in those positions, in those fullback positions. So I think it was the right choice for him and, you get, and he gets to go to the World Cup and he thoroughly deserves it. His hard work has paid off. He's th been thriving for Villa. So again, another majorly successful half season, two thirds of the season so far for Matty Cash. So I think it can only continue to get better. He'll be getting my vote for player of the year. Matty Cash, as it stands, which I'm sure he'll be delighted to hear. Touched on McGinn already. Luca Dean kept a clean sheet for France. He'll be back at the weekend, I presume. So that's a boost for Villa going into Saturday's game. But Holly, this is one I don't really get. So 
Martinez and Buendia went on international duty even though they couldn't play. As you're the newsroom person, I'm hoping you can explain to me why, why this happened because it just seems a bit pointless that they've gone all this way, got all this travel, and now they've got, they've got to travel back before the game on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming it's because from a from a training point of view for for the, for the national team, they would have wanted the players who are going to continue to be around the setup still involved in training mm. and the drills and the practices. So I'm assuming from that point of view, it it's probably been quite helpful for for both Martinez and Buendia and also the national team. But yeah, it is a bit weird to to go all that way. No, you're not going to be able to play because of the suspensions, and then you know, obviously, come all the way back. But I always think that international camps, whether you're you're going to be playing actual matches or or just training I think it's such like a personal growth thing because you're learning from other people and, and mixing with other people so hopefully they've both they'll both come back with you know kind of a newfound confidence even though they weren't playing and, and ready to kind of push on for Villa but it is yeah it was a bit weird when I saw them going out on international duty even though they couldn't play yeah Emmy Martinez saw his family I saw an interim loves a barbecue Emmy Martinez he, does. he, he does. absolutely loves a barbecue doesn't he I mean I'm a vegetarian but you know I, I can still to see that meat is, is nice to eat and it looked good. His barbecue. Coutinho played 60 minutes twice for Brazil. And not only Villa got England's number nine, they've also got Brazil's penalty taker, Holla. Yeah, it was a very nice clean penalty. Um, you kind of thought that when El Ghazi went to, to Everton, that we were like, oh, we've, we've lost our like main man of a penalty taker. But I think Coutinho is more than capable of, of smashing in a penalty or two if needed. So... I'm assuming, again, quite nice for him to get on the score sheet, even though it was a penalty and, and come back kind of refreshed. It'd be nice to get a penalty. We haven't had one since the second game of the season. It's the first oh, two games yeah. of the season we had penalties, and then we haven't had one since. So, yeah, it would be nice to get a penalty at some point. Tell you what, I really enjoyed going through that the international villain there, Holly. It's made me feel quite good, feel, feel quite positive. A, a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good about the weekend. I really am. I feel like if they'd have come back after a bit of a disappointing international break that it might have, might have trickled through to the weekend but if I'm if I'm any of those other players I'm coming back on cloud nine and confident and ready to beat Wolves no coincidence that we're fairly more uplifted without Greg Hare <laughs> no coincidence at all now don't forget you can subscribe to The Athletic for just a pound a month he's grumpy but he's a good writer Greg but yeah a pound a month for the first six months so you can read all Greg's stuff and all the great stuff that's going on at The Athletic just go to theathletic.com slash villapod and you'll get full access to all the great writing and ad-free versions of The Athletic's podcast, including this one. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. to be a little bit nicer about Greg Holly. He's absent with leave currently, but he has delivered us a little nugget of consolation this week. He had access all areas with Hibs manager Sean Maloney last week. Good article with him about his time at Hibernian so far in the week training. So yeah, go back and have a look at that from Greg. Being the Villa writer though, Greg did do us a favour and he did speak to Sean Maloney about his time in a Villa shirt and how he feels about it after having a few years to reflect. So let's hear from Sean Maloney on his time at Aston Villa. I would describe it as a, a big privilege. Um, I would say it was probably, yeah, a big, big privilege at probably the wrong time. I wish, uh, uh, no, actually, maybe maybe not quite the wrong time. I think the full season I spent there, I absolutely loved. I think the first three, four months, I really struggled with, um, I really struggled with sort of 
coming to um, understanding that my Celtic career was over. So I was a massive Celtic fan, huge, huge fan from a young, young age. Um, and then to leave at the last hour of the window when really there was such a, almost nothing between me either staying for four or five years or to then all of a sudden I'm now an Aston Villa player. So to have that sort of closure on that, it was tough. But then once I had that and I spent the full season at Villa, I absolutely loved it. I think it was a huge privilege. I loved the club. Like I really loved being a Villa player. I loved everything about it. I loved how demanding the fans were. I found the fans were really good if, if you tried your hardest. They absolutely loved you. And I gave every, even though I might not have started every game, every time I came on or I just gave everything and they were really good to me. Massive privilege. Maybe those first three or four months was at the wrong time. The full season I spent there, I, I loved it. I really did it. Main highlights. Um, uh, I scored a goal at home at the whole end against Fulham. Late winner. That was a huge one. It's a beautiful ball and a chance here. Maloney! That'll seal it! Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Chelsea game, I think you got a couple Chelsea, yeah, yeah. I still, um, I need to still remind Martin O'Neill, uh, amazing man. Amazing man, like has a, a, a leadership quality of a real intense like things that you just cannot coach. I'm saying that because I still want to speak to him about that I scored two goals in the first half against Chelsea and I'm off at half-time. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we talk us through that. What happened? No, somebody got sent off. I think uh, I think one of our centre backs got sent off. It might have been uh, that night. I think might have got sent off in the last minute of half time. Um, and you were the full guy. And I was the full guy. Yeah. And I'll be honest, looking back, uh, as a manager now, he made completely the right tactical decision to take me off. Um, yeah, just a brilliant manager. Um, again, brilliant people. Um, brilliant people at that club. I love the fact that they won the European Cup. Uh, I loved that. I loved the fact that they they celebrated it and they sort of had a real desire to get back to Europe because of those moments. I had no problem with what they demanded. Never had any issue with that. Do you think if you'd have moved there a little bit later in your career, you would have had the longest spell there and maybe a bit more job? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I think just at that moment where I was very much fully invested in staying at Celtic for the whole of my career, really. That was my club. That was everything I wanted. And then within the last hour of the window, going to Villa. It was a big, big change. Um, yeah, if I'd maybe gone, maybe at the time when I went to Wigan, if I'd gone to Villa at that point, then I think it would have been very different. But that's that's life. That's an experience. Um, I can still say that I was very privileged to play for Villa, and I, um, I nobody can take that away from me. Well done, Greg. Enjoyed that. Nice of him to get some Villa work in whilst he was away with Hibernian. That was, that was good, wasn't it, Holla? Yeah, really good. Um, it's always nice to hear kind of like what players who played for Villa a few years ago thought of the club. And I feel like it's always consistently that just the club was great and playing for Villa was great. And I think that that's something that probably Villa hold quite close to their hearts, that they've always been welcoming of players when they've signed them and, and always had that kind of like family feeling atmosphere, which is, is what it sounds like was the case for Maloney when he was there as well. So a really nice little interview. Yeah, I've got a Sean Maloney match-worn shirt from that full season that he talks about as well. little fact for you there, not that I'm sure anyone cares at all. Now, Villa's remaining fixtures, just looking through them, some tough ones in there, but there's also some winnable ones in there as well, Holly. It's, it's Wolves next. You've already talked about the, the need to win. Villa went to Wolves and won last season. It'd be great to do the same again. 
a lot of Villa fans still probably have a little bit of PTSD from from the last time we played them this season. Needs, needs, we need to kind of get revenge this season. I feel like we need yeah. to win that game to, to wipe the slate clean of that. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. 100%. Um, so there's definitely a big vendetta against against Wolves and, and wanting to beat them. So I, I don't think Gerard will want to let that, that slip again. So I think out of that, that fixture list, it's Wolves, then Tottenham, Liverpool, Leicester, Norwich, Burnley, Palace, City. I think out of those games, you know, you need to be winning against... Wolves hopefully winning against Leicester depending on their form I feel like their their form is constantly dipping so I think if, if we can catch them at the right time that is a very winnable game Norwich, Burnley, Palace are kind of all must wins or, or at least a point games as well Still got to play Burnley to again as well that hasn't been arranged yet at home so we've got Burnley twice actually Yeah so you know two teams that are kind of around the relegation zone are fighting for to fighting for survival so I think those games could be quite catty as well uh, if Norwich haven't already been relegated and Burnley are obviously looking to, to fight for survival as well so some interesting games at the very least. And then obviously, you know, you've got those big hitters, Tottenham, Liverpool at home. Obviously, the last time we played them at home was 7-2. So I don't think that that will be rep- will be recreated this time around, but it will definitely be a great game to watch. Yeah, I'm just looking there. The good news is there's some teams in there that we've already beaten under Steven Gerrard. So Leicester, Norwich and, and Palace. So that's promising as well, isn't it? Yeah, massively so. The women play Spurs on Sunday. Do you just want to give a little Aston Villa women's update? Yeah, so... Um, it was a, a a really good game actually uh, on the weekend. They drew one one to Reading. Um, you know, I'd probably say it was an even result, a fair a fair result for for both teams. Villa have have really exceeded expectations. I I feel like this season. I think they believe I believe they're on like seventeen points this season now, which is way higher than what they had last season. Is that exceeding expectations? Do you think? I, I would say maybe, I expected a little bit more, especially after a good start. I think maybe for Carla Ward, the expectations would have been around the same, if not slightly higher. However, I think the the WSL season as a whole has ex- exceeded expectations for all the teams. I think so many teams have, have been challenging more at the top end of, of the table rather than at the bottom end of the table. And I think obviously for Villa, only in their second season in the top flight of women's football, it is going to be a little bit difficult for them to keep up with all those teams who have who have done so well this season because their budget won't have been as high. Carla Ward coming in for the first time this season as well. So I think if you think about all the changes that have happened behind the scenes, all the players that have come in, all the players that have left, I think it is a really, really good kind of season for Villa and it's definitely the like that kind of stepping stone, stepping stone season that they're in um, ahead of next season. So... I think if all the other teams in the WSL also hadn't done so well this season, I think Villa would have definitely been higher up and, and expecting to be higher up as well. But when everyone else has had a really good season, it's hard to obviously, isn't it, to also succeed. So I think it, I th- from, from my point of view, I think it's still a really great season for Villa women. So I, And I think they, they have every chance of, of stealing a point or three against Spurs on, on the weekend as well. So if people aren't busy, they should definitely go and watch that game. I could do with a, a steadier summer Yeah. this season. The last two have been pretty turbulent. A, a lot of... Um, what's the, what's the, I can't even think of the word. I know the word I mean. Oh God, what's the word? A lot of changes. That's not the word I was looking for. You know, there's been a big changes but it's been last, yeah. in the last two summers. So they could do with a less turbulent summer and maybe if they have a steadier summer, they'll find it easier to have a, a more positive season next time round. Definitely. It doesn't sound like Carla Ward is, is going to be leaving anytime soon. And if they can keep the likes of, of Hannah Hampton, Alicia Lehman, uh, Alan, you know, Jill Scott is on loan. Maybe she, she finally leaves Man City on, on a permanent transfer and, and maybe Aston Villa is the club for her. Um, they've got a great a lot of great players and I think 
you know, two, three, maybe four extra signings could be what Villa need to, to be pushing towards the top half of the WSL table next season. But I, again, completely agree with you. I think a sturdier summer is what Villa need and what they'll be looking for and and then a higher a higher finish next season. Overhaul was the word I was looking for. That's the Just one. could not yep. get there at all. How lucky are all you that I host this podcast? Couldn't even think of the word <laughs> overhaul. Greg as well, he did do a piece on The Athletic. All The Athletic writers, the club writers, the club journalists have, have done a piece basically adjusting transfer fees for inflation. So looking back over previous signings and seeing how much they would cost in the modern day. Holly, I don't know if I've explained that very well at all, but I've, I've tried my best. I'm trying my best on this podcast. Steve Stone, £50 million pound player for Aston Villa if transfer fees were, were inflated from, from back in the day. That's an, in, an incredible fee for Steve Stone, who was good for Villa, but didn't do anything really that special. I've read through the piece and it's it's quite mad to think about how how much those numbers would change because of inflation and, and kind of, you kind of, I feel like now when you look through those figures, you kind of look at them and go, oh, were, would they be worth that today? And and I think some of them are a yes and some of them are a, mm, potentially not. Um, so it, it's really interesting. I mean, you mentioned one, Ian Taylor as well, Villa signing for a million um, from Sheffield Wednesday and that would have been worth 20 million today. And I definitely think he would have been worth 20 million at the time as well. So if you've I not read it. I don't think he would have been at the time. He might have been by the time. I think he probably was after I guess, a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, by the time Villa. he left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those where you think oh, you've probably spent too much, but then after, by the end of his transfer, you think, okay, that's probably worth the twenty million. So, but there's so many interesting ones in there. So, yeah. if people haven't read it, they should definitely check it out because it's it's the whole series is great as well. I won't be telling him because he'll be going around telling everyone that he's a twenty million pound player. So, I definitely won't be telling him <laughs> about that article at all. I think that does us for this week, Carly. Thanks ever so much for joining me. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed going through the, the international players. Enjoyed it a lot more than than I thought I would. So that's a nice positive podcast going into Saturday. Will Greg be back with us next week? I'm not sure. Will we let him in? I hope I so. Know, who knows? I think so. Well, I don't know. An exclusive club now. Although we'll, when, we'll I feel like when Greg is here, we, we do win a little bit more. So maybe we do let yeah. him back in. Yeah, hopefully Greg will be at Molyneux on, on Saturday and Villa can get three points. Thanks ever so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week and up the Villa. Athletic.